What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David Isaac and Candace. We got great news tonight. The Los Angeles Lakers beat the Toronto Raptors 128 to 123. And that's Hallelujah. what we're going to talk about because we do not want to discuss this Hawks game. Dear Lord, what was going on? Yeah, man, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, we you go back to that loss at the Rockets and you're like, okay, well, for most of the year, they've avoided these type of games. Like, in years past, we've seen that a lot. Like, they do this a lot. And this year, they had pretty much cleaned it up. Um, and then they go down to, to Houston and lose that game. You're like, okay, when well, they got it out of the system, I think think they'll be fine from here on. And you just kind of see some of these games, even the, the OKC game where OKC played hard, not taking anything away from them, but they kind of hung around that game. And But you're thinking, okay, well, they know they got to finish these games out. You got a chance to move up one and a half on the Warriors tonight. Um, I mean, thinking about that Rockets loss, you still got that bad taste in your mouth. You think you come out of handle business, and they did not, man. It just came out flat. You could see John Morant, and his energy wasn't at the normal level when the, when the game first started. And I think the team kind of feeds off of him, and they just didn't have it tonight and never really got into a rhythm at all. It's only one point in the game where they actually looked like the Grizzlies, as they said on the broadcast, but I think you need to check IDs uh, because I don't know who that team was out there on the floor tonight. The only time they really looked like themselves was kind of early in the third quarter. They kind of made a run look like they might get back in it, but boy, it just couldn't get stopped, man. They made a couple made a couple stops, made a couple shots, and the, the Hawks got back in rhythm and just ran away with it, man. They just could never get back in it, man. This is just tough to be in, in this position down the stretch, man. You want to see the team start to click on all cylinders, man, and this is a, a big step back. I, I think, if not the worst loss of the season, definitely one of the worst losses of the season, seeing the situation. Yeah, I would agree with that, Isaac. That was that was my my takeaway. And in fact, I, you know, I'm generally I got a reputation the past few podcasts as the eternal optimist. I am not optimistic today. Um, in fact, I, I'll take it a step further. I, my biggest concern at this point is the, with the inconsistency. It looks more like the team that we saw the first 20 games. And the last time we saw this starting lineup together was that stretch. After that, we started having Dylan go down. We started having Ja go down. And my concern is, is will this starting lineup that we put in place, can they put it together? Can they become the team? Or does some have, somebody have to be out of the lineup in order for this team to really be able to put it all together to where it's supposed to? Um, I'm not making a conclusion about it, but it, it's a concern of mine because, you know, they're, in the first 20 games of the season, there was a team that either dominated or they were dominated. There was no in-between. And I, I think that's been the case since Dylan's got back. Either they dominated or they've been dominated. And um, it's, it's too small of a sample size to really be able to make a real conclusion, but it's a creeping concern of mine that that's in the pit of my stomach, and it makes me extremely nervous for any playoff hopes at this point. This game was so bad tonight, we had to watch Kevin Knox play basketball. <laughs> like, I, I Coach Jenkins was asked before the game, um, I, I don't know who asked the question. It was not a voice that I'm used to hearing but the, the guy said, you know, the last time, since the last time I spoke to you, you guys are like, I think he said 32 and 19 or something of that nature. I can't remember what he said the record was, but, you know, pretty impressive. And he asked Jenkins what clicked, what happened. And Jenkins said the team, we were watching film and he's like, we're, we are better. We're better than this. And everybody, he gave credit to the players for taking responsibility and ownership 
of, you know, those first 20 games of the season. I guess I could do the math on that if I wanted to, but I, I don't feel like messing with that right now. You know, after the first 20 games of the season, you saw stuff start to melt on this team. Guys started playing better. You saw a job I in on the defensive end. Steven Adams had looked lost before that, and you saw him starting to buy in, and things started to click for him. And then now you get to games like this, and just like you said, Candace, they in that stretch, those first 20 games, they would come out some nights, look like the best team in the league, and then they would come out the, you know, the next night and lose to a team that they had no business losing to. It's super frustrating to watch kind of this roller coaster stuff. And this is not the time of the year to be going back, reverting back to where they were at. I think what makes it most similar to the beginning of the year is because they were feast of famine uh, in the beginning of the year. The defense was bad. And if they didn't have a game where they put points on the board, if they weren't making shots, they'd get blown out. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. The defense, no doubt, is taking a step back uh, since the All-Star break. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know what the reason it is, but the defense just hasn't been the same. And even in the games that they've won since the All-Star break, there's been things that I've saw that concerned me, but they win the games. They go back to that magic game. They won big, and you just kind of kind of fluff it off. But then when you see a game like tonight, you're like, some of these things that you're seeing, even though it resulted in a big loss tonight, these things aren't new. Like, Point of attack defense hasn't been good. Uh, the perimeter defense hasn't been good for the most part. They they had, they took some steps forward a little bit in that Pacers game, but it's kind of hard to gauge anything out of that because the Pacers seemingly they've just quit. Like that's basically what you see when you watch them. So it's hard to take a lot out of that. But point of attack defense has been a problem. It was a problem all night tonight. They just couldn't keep uh, Bogdanovich and Herder out of the paint. Man, they were just driving and kicking and getting in the paint and just getting easy easy looks time and time again. Every time the Grizzlies would. Seem to make a little hay. They get, they let them penetrate the paint, get a layup or kick out for a wide-open jump shot. And we just saw that over and over tonight. They just couldn't get stops. I mean, you could even see them bearing down, like, okay, we got to get a stop this time. And it was the same thing. It was like a broken record over and over tonight. It was just driving me nuts. I was like, man, they're just never going to get a stop. And those aren't even guys that you would think that would, would get in the paint and kill you like that, man. But they just had a hard time keeping anybody in front of them tonight. And I, I hate to pile, pile on Bane, man, but he was – atrocious defensively tonight. Like, yep. every time he gets screened, man, guys was just, just – I mean, it was just bad, man. It, it, is, it wasn't just him. The whole team was bad, but it, it was glaring with him tonight, man. And they just got to gotta get that cleaned up. They got to get back to where they were prior to the All-Star break. And you have Dylan Brooks back, which is your best perimeter defender, and you think that would help. But right now, man, they're just not guarding. And, and, and that's a problem right now for this team. And, and, and tonight – the reason why they got blown out tonight because not only were they not guarding, they also weren't knocking down shots. And similar, like you guys said at the beginning of the year, that's what we saw then, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and, and this game was just dominated by Atlanta. Bain owned it in the postgame presser. He said, yeah, you know, he I, I don't feel like we came out with the right mindset tonight. And it was obvious. It was obvious early on in this game that they didn't have the right mindset you look at pace of play, and the Grizzlies are among the, the top teams in the league. They average 94 shots, 94 shot attempts a game. They only got 86 in tonight. Yeah, that's not a huge difference. But when you go, when your pace slows down like that, we've discussed the half-court offense, and that's something Atlanta was able to slow this game down. They didn't turn the ball over. They made the Grizzlies play the way that they wanted to play, and the Grizzlies didn't impose their will which is a little bit scary heading into the playoffs. 
Yeah, and a big concern for me was just the the offense too. The offense wasn't good. I mean, the amount of turnovers and time and, and the timing of the turnovers, as soon as they would make us a run, get it within 10, I mean, sorry, get it within 11 points or get something close, start, start to make a little bit of a run. We just have pointless or just, in, I mean, crazy looking turnovers to me. Um, Ja had a few tonight. I mean, he had six turnovers tonight. Um, and, and I thought that had a big deal to do with why they couldn't even get back in the game. They couldn't even make it competitive because of those turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, Ja, I, I don't know what was going on with him tonight. He just yeah. didn't look focused. Like, you you can see he usually has a certain poise, and you can just look on his face and tell that he wasn't locked in in this game. And Kendrick said he had some bad ones, like just, like, what are you doing type turnovers. Like, I, I didn't understand, like, throwing it right to guys. Like, I didn't yep. get it, like, live ball turnovers where it was just bad tonight, man. I, I don't – there's, like, really nothing that you can take out of this game Positive. I mean, the offense was bad. The defense was bad. They couldn't guard anybody. Couldn't guard the perimeter. Couldn't guard in the paint. They gave up offensive rebounds at, at time at, at, at bad time uh, for for second chance points. I mean, they got killed in second chance points, which is something that doesn't usually happen to mm-hmm. them. They still want to rebound a battle, which they do that no matter what. Like this, their their rebounds legit. But I mean, timely <laughs> offensive rebounds tonight, and it, it it hurt them time and time again. Capella was able to. To get positioning on, on, on Stephen Adams, get offensive rebounds, and even their guards were were rebounding basketball, getting offensive rebounds. It's just bad, man. Death by the lawn, right, man. That's not not what you want to hear. The, the rebounding battle with they didn't take that over until late. The Hawks led this; they, they led the game in rebounding for the biggest part of this game, and that's they kind of out Grizzly the Grizzlies tonight. I mean, that's really. Yeah. What it breaks down to, you look at what what do the Grizzlies do? They force turnovers, they get out and run. And, you know, the Hawks, you can't say with 12 fast break points from the Hawks that they really got out and ran, but they forced a bunch of turnovers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you you have to take care of the ball. And when your star, when the best player on the team is not locked in, and and I think that it's safe to say, you know, multiple people I I think would agree with us, that he was not locked in tonight with those six turnovers. You, you've got to find a way to get it done. And it just, nobody was stepping up tonight. It just wasn't happening from anywhere. Yeah, there was a very distinct moment. And I'm not sure the exact, you guys may have to help me out on the timing if you, if you, if you remember, but there was one of our last timeouts probably around the seven, eight minute mark. Um, I think we started to make a little bit of a run and, and Atlanta called a timeout because we had yeah, a little bit of a three. Yeah. And they, they had the three. Yep. And they they turned the camera on John Morant coming out of the timeout. And he just looked, he had this look in his eye, almost just like the, the feet. Um, I just saw it all on his face. I mean, it, it, it was still, could have been kind of a game. I'm not saying they would have won away with it with seven minutes left in the game, but it was still a chance if they fought hard. But I looked at his face at that moment and I said, they have no chance. I mean, that that rarely happens that I can look, you know, just by the look on the player on a player's face, but it was just that obvious for him he was he was not there I don't know where his head was but it was not on the game yeah the body body language the body language wasn't good at all from really anybody tonight like they just you hate to say that they just didn't seem to care but it was like even when they were getting beat they didn't seem like you think you'd be upset like you're a a team that's fighting for the second seed you're going against a Hawks team that's a a solid team but they're missing their best two players in the 10th 10th seed in the East, and you get your ass kicked, and you think you'd be upset, and they just didn't seem to, 
I don't know. They just there was no emotion there. They all seen emotions like just kind of going through the motions. Like the only time you ever saw any spirit was the early in that third quarter. Uh, they they said on the broadcast that they had talked to T. Morant, uh, Josh's dad at halftime. He was talking about the crowd was when when Josh went to the free throw line in the first half. They were yelling. The crowd was screaming overrated, and he said that that Josh heard him and was kind of upset about that. I, and I felt in the third quarter, I was like, man, he's gonna try to go off, and he tried. For that, for that first four or five minutes of the third quarter. And then after that, it just kind of went back to the same thing that it was before. And I, I don't know if he was hurt, like, the back thing. I don't know if that's something for real. Like, I kind of thought it was just kind of something they were saying to kind of rest him. But I don't know if there's a real thing. And now you're dealing with the, the knee issue. Hopefully that's not anything serious. Taylor Jenkins said after the game that John just said he had a little soreness in it. And they took him out. He just went and got looked at. They'll have an update. No real update now. They'll have an update prior to the game on Sunday. You hope that's not anything serious because that's just not what you want right now man we're coming down the stretch and and you never want to see anybody get hurt but you have this situation in Golden State with Steph going down he's probably out into the playoffs you have a golden opportunity here to show up that two seed man you could have went up a game and a half and really started to make that push tonight and just didn't get it done man you just hate to see it and again that's why I feel like this is probably to me worse than a Rockets game because of the situation you're in I mean you had already lost that one and you feel like okay, man, we got that one behind us. We're not going to do that again and come back out and do this again. And you could have had a chance to go up game and a half. It's just a just a bad loss. Um, and you can't, it, as, as Brevin said, when me and David talk about this all the time, can't cheat the game. Just because you look across and don't see Trey Young and don't see John Collins, that don't mm-hmm. mean that the, the, these are not NBA guys. You don't have to come out and play hard. You, If you're going to be an elite team, come out and be elite every night. That's what you see from teams like Phoenix. Phoenix doesn't take any anybody for granted. They come out and play the same type of game 99.9% of the time, no matter who they're playing against. And that's what you have to do. You have to have that killer instinct. I don't care who you're going against. And uh, man, they just didn't have that tonight. And this is the second time in about a week and a half that, we, that we're saying this. And it, it's just not the time for to do this. This is the kind of stuff that you kind of work through at the beginning of the season. You don't want to see this with 12 games left in the season, man. It's just not a good spot when you're jockeying for position, man. You can't lose these type of games. And, again, this is the second time in, in a short while that we're saying this. I'm I'm gonna be the optimist here. I, I, the points that you were just making are fantastic. This is the second youngest team in the league, and, and I'm not using that as an excuse for tonight's game. But that's the difference I would say between the Phoenix Suns and this team. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, those guys have been in the league. They've been in the league for a while, and they know that you cannot do that. And and I'm not implying that the Grizzlies don't know that. I I think that they do, but I I think that that comes with maturity. I think as these guys, you know, as this team gets older, as we see Ja, you know, year four, five, six, and Jaron, as we see this team start to to age, and and I don't mean that in a bad way, obviously, but like you you see, I think the maturity level is going to grow and you're going to see these guys not have games like this. But I'm not an excuse guy. I've never been an excuse guy. You can't come out at this point in the season and play a game like this. But to overlook the fact that they are the second youngest team in the league in a situation like this, I think would be doing a disservice, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I do understand they're a young team, and we keep that in mind. But but if you if your goal as a team at this point is to is to uh, play above your age. This is what they've been doing. They've, they've been out to prove a point. They, they haven't been taken seriously because they're a young team. And so that's 
been a chip on their shoulder all season, when you fall or or or, or you make mistakes, I'm not sure that that could be the same crutch, especially if you're um, if that's your number one one of one of their main driving points, you know, on the season. Um, I, I I do hear you. I'm just not sure if if given the position that this team is in. And given the fact that we all talk about it all the time, I mean, they're young players, but they're they're older young players. They're, they're, they have a veteran type of mindset. And so um, I think you still hold them to the same standard, uh, whether they win or lose. I don't want to make I don't want to make, I, I make uh, any assumptions off of one game or make any quick judgment. But I want to get you guys thoughts on this. And I saw a lot of people throughout the game tonight on, on, on Twitter and social media talking about this. Does anything that you see tonight with, with Dylan Brooks make you give you pause to where you say, well, maybe it would be better to bring him off the bench? I, I saw a lot of people talking about that tonight, and I'm, I'm going to wait to give my opinion. I want to see what you guys think about that. David, I'll let you start. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, yeah, it didn't matter to me who went first, but absolutely not. No, there, there's nothing. This is – there were plays in the first half. You and I kind of talked about it. You know, we, we were messaging yeah. back and forth. There were some plays that he made that you were like, okay, that was a terrible, like, yeah. bad decision. Yeah, like old, old like Dylan that. Brooks, that yeah. Was, bad Dylan Brooks. But you – it's easy to point out, right, But because of his history with that type of thing. But it was from everybody tonight. It yeah. was not just Dylan Brooks – being selfish and not playing team basketball the total assists for the team 18 assists to 17 turnovers you're not going to win many games whenever you play like that this team thrives when they move the basketball when they share the basketball this team thrives they didn't do that tonight they they were not able to get out and run there were a lot of things that contributed to this loss you, you know we could sit here and hammer on it all night long we can talk about the 17 for 23 from the free throw line. I definitely want to discuss that a little bit later on, you know, after we get past this point, but there, there's nothing. I, I feel like I've said this on the show before, but Dylan Brooks is your best point of attack defender without a doubt. There, there's, I, I don't, I'm not even listening to an argument for anybody else on this team because of the versatility, because of his size, he can guard, from one to three, and, and you could even match him up against some fours. But, you know, a four is not really going to be a point of attack guy. But one to three, if you have a point of attack guy, Dylan Brooks is your defender, hands down, no doubt about it. And there's nothing that happened tonight that makes me want to move him out of the starting lineup. Yeah, I'm torn. I'm torn. Because I don't think that it was a Dylan – I agree with you, David. I don't think it was a Dylan uh, selfish ball type of thing and it might just be simply Dylan getting sort of his feet under him he hasn't played he's only played 21 games this season well it's been more than now but he you know before his return he only played 21 games this season and so I I was surprised to see that his plus minus was was two he was one of the only positive players on this team outside of the the back end of the bench um I was surprised to see that just because I felt like there were several moments like you guys alluded to that there, there was a momentum shift and then Dylan would do something and it sort of shift the momentum back down and then a wave of bad things would happen. Now that could be coincidence. Uh, it could, like I said, just be getting his, getting his feet under him, but it goes back to my concern about 
the last time you saw this starting lineup together and whole, it was inconsistent. And we thought that that was just because it was the beginning of the season. But if this trend continues, it, it will make me question a little bit. And I don't know if it will be just because Dylan can't pass the ball. Um, it may be other things that I can't specifically identify them yet. I'll continue to evaluate as we watch these games. But, you know, Dylan took Dylan took 13 shots tonight. Um, I mean, Job had 23 shots up tonight. Bain had 14 shots. Jaron Jackson still got 10. So I don't think it was a an uneven disparity in terms of attempts, but yet uh, the defense that he brought statistically, I guess it shows better, but I just think he had a quite a few momentum killers and maybe that, that was just too much for the team, especially when you got a small margin of error and you're down double digits. It, it's just, it just sort of snowballs what's already wrong. I think. Isaac, before you take off, I, I've got to mean, you mentioned Jaron only taking 10 shots and I saw a couple people talking about Jaron's shot attempts. There's a couple things that you have to look at whenever you're talking about Jaron's shot attempts. If Danilo Gallinari is guarding him, it's it's barbecue chicken all day long. But this Hawks team has two guys, and, and one specifically, that is a pretty tough matchup for Jaron and, and Onyeka Okongwu. He, he's, you know, I think Okongwu is like 6'8 or 6'9, but he plays significantly bigger, and he's got the foot speed to really be able to keep up with Jaron. And and I don't have the stats in front of me to tell you, oh, Jaron was this versus Okongwu tonight, but the Hawks are a tough matchup for Jaron. And so the fact that he only got 10 shots up was probably very matchup dependent. I don't think you, – you can't say that the 13 shots from Dylan Brooks are really what – Okay, if you take Dylan's going to get that many shots every single game. He's going to shoot between twelve to fifteen shots every single game. The the Grizzlies didn't pay play at their normal pace, and so that takes a few shots away from guys. Unfortunately, tonight it just so happened to be Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, and, and to go back to to Dylan, uh, I, I'm kind of with Ken as I do have some concerns because when we saw this matchup on the floor, it seems like when the Grizzlies played their best basketball is when there have been people out, as weird as that is. That's just kind of been the case. And when we saw this lineup for the most part early in the season, they struggled. Um, and, and and you kind of see what's going on now. And I've been 100% pro. We talked about Dylan coming back. I was 100%. Put him back in the starting lineup. He's going to be your starter. You need your best perimeter defender to start the game when you get into the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. I was 100% for that. But I think I saw some things tonight, like you said. I saw some some ill-advised shots. I was, I'm with Candace. I was surprised. When I looked at the box board and saw he was a plus two, I was like, that's interesting. That that's, kind of goes back to my thoughts on plus minus, that it doesn't always tell the real tale. And you saw some bad shots and some some momentum-killing plays from him tonight, but it was so bad that it's kind of hard to kind of single him out because it was just such a mess that yeah. some of those bad shots, I mean, you just nobody was scoring. So he's like, man, I'm, I'm just going to put a shot up, man. We can't hit anything. So I'm just going to put a shot up. It's kind of hard to, to key him out. So I think I need a bigger bigger sample size. But some people were talking on Twitter, and, and they were bringing the point up with that he take, that with him taking more shots to take shots away from other guys, and that when when Zaire Williams in the starting lineup, he doesn't really do that. And if he comes off the bench, it might be more beneficial because he can get more shots up with an offense because they'll need his offense on their second unit. And, and that, that's an interesting point. I, I'm not ready to say that I think he should be out of the starting lineup yet. Uh, I mean, because this night was just such a mess that I don't want to 
making any knee-jerk reactions off of what I saw tonight because I just think it was so so bad that everybody was bad. So, I mean, keep singling them out is not much. I don't think this is the game to kind of make the determination. But I'll be watching to see how this continues to play out. But, again, when they've had this full lineup, they play better when they haven't had their full lineup for the most part. Now, we've had a small sample size of this. That's why I need to see more. And you hate to kind of be in this spot trying to figure these things out with, with like 12 games left to play going to the playoffs. But, I mean, that's kind of where they are uh, right now. I mean, you got to find out how to integrate Dylan back in. I still think in the long long term it's better for this team if he's in the starting lineup, especially on the defensive end. I think you need that. But it, it's, it's definitely something I'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, and I think it looks different. It may be one of those things where it looks different in the regular season than it does in the playoffs. Dylan might need to start, may, may be a starter in the playoffs because of the off, a half court offense and perimeter defense yeah. he can bring. But some, for whatever reason, the flow in the regular season, just because of how things are played, just doesn't work out. And I'll, I'll, I, I want to see if I can find this stat or continue to, to track this stat, but, and it may just be this game. But it just seemed like if there was anything I could point to with Dylan, it was that the fouls that he made tended to lead to points for the other team like almost like automatically like the flavor foul for example or just the and one opportunities or just things like that I just felt like it wasn't just the foul it was a foul and it gave the other team momentum because of it um and and I'll continue to track that I don't know I don't know if this is that that they track fouls so foul, you know points that I mean fouls that lead to points or whatever but um, it's something I'll watch. If, if anything that I could point to, I think it would be that over the shot, shot selection in general for me because Dylan wasn't the only one taking bad shots today. So I, I've got to go back to a point that, that Isaac made and him, Dylan, taking shots away from other guys. All right, Dylan returned. His first game back was against OKC, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go back to that OKC game, when Dylan returned, De- Desmond Bain, 15 shots. Jaron Jackson Jr., 13 shots. Ja Morant, 14 shots. You go to the next game, you go to the Pacers game, Desmond Bain, 12 shots. Jaron Jackson Jr., 16, and uh, Ja was out in that game. And then you look at tonight's game and what these guys done. I say all of this, Ja averages 20 attempts a game, Bain averages 15, Jaron averages 13. You look at tonight's box score, Ja had 23, Bain had 14. Jaron was the only one that was really under where he should have been. Jaron only played 23 minutes tonight. Jaron normally plays more than that. If Jaron plays closer to 30 minutes, there's no doubt in my mind that he gets four more shot attempts up. Who is Dylan taking those shot attempts away from? He's taking them away from guys that you want him to take it away from. Would yeah. you rather have Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones, Xavier Tillman, John Conchar, Jared Coble? There's nobody on this team. You got John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. After that, and maybe you could argue Dylan before one of those guys, but who's he taking them from? Like, I, I get being concerned and, and, I just feel like that argument is busted. I think that it's trash. When you have a starting caliber player that is a guy that can go out and get buckets, he's going to take shots. He's not taking shots away from John Moran. He's not taking shots away from Bain. He's not taking shots away from Jaron. We're three games into this, and we we were without Ja for one of them. But in the games that they've played, he's not taking shots away from them. You look at the the one game that he played with Ja in OKC, Ja did take fewer shots. 
But Ja was also distributing the ball at an extremely high level that night. I can't remember how many assists he had, yeah. but he was he was moving the ball, and that was a very spread out, like team friendly game where like everybody was eating. And I just I for me, there's no weight to that argument at all because the people that he has taken these shots away from are people that he should be taking these shots away from. Yeah, but, to your point, Zaire had one 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 shot tonight, so that, that's exactly to your point. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. And when when you say taking shots away, maybe that's not the right word. Maybe not taking shots away, but it the offense doesn't might not flow as well. I think it's a better way. It's a better better way to put it because Dylan, lots of times he'll dribble a lot and, and run and run a lot of clock in the offense. When when Zaire's out there, Zaire is not going to be. He's not going to have the ball. He's not going to take any time up off the clock. And people are moving the ball around. A lot of people, and I'm not necessarily saying I agree with this. This is just kind of the chatter around it that Dylan can be kind of a black hole. Like even if he doesn't take the shot, he might dribble around and like force somebody else to have to take a bad shot. It, it, it's more about the flow of the offense, I think, than him actually taking shots away from guys. I think that's kind of the point that, that people that feel like that would make, that, that he, him being out there instead of Zaire Williams kind of can bog the offense down at times. Not that he always does it, but I think sometimes people feel like with him out there, they don't get as good a shot, so they get bad shots later in the shot clock because he's out there trying to create and do different things. I think that's kind of the difference. His usage is definitely higher than Zaire's. And a lot of people feel like that kind of kills the offense. And, and the competition does matter, but I would say – the first two games, I don't think that was an issue. Um, but I, today, I think that was a real uh, – that's a legitimate point, especially for today's game now. It's a small sample size. We're talking about three games. So it, it's a bad game. So, yeah, you don't want to take anything away. Because, I mean, it was so bad that everybody right. is – everybody was taking bad shots. Everybody right? So, bad. again, yeah. I just want to – I need to see bigger, bigger sample size and see how this plays out or what they have, 12 games left, how this plays out later in the season. And, again, this is not necessarily my feeling. This is just kind of the concerns that I've heard from – some Grizz fans and kind of discussing this on Twitter. We'll, we'll see how it plays out because I think Dylan needs to be in the starting lineup. He's your best perimeter defender, point of attack defender. There's no doubt about that. And you have to have that when you're going against these elite teams. And you're going to need a stopper out there. And he's the best guy that can have to throw out on your best wing player. So you need him out there. And he's going to make shots. I mean, he struggled a little bit, but he's getting back in rhythm. Eventually, he's going to knock down those shots. But I guess now that he's not making a lot of shots, it kind of looks – looks worse than I think it'll look at once he gets back in rhythm. Yeah, I'm with you. My, my hope is that, that that ultimately as he plays more games and gets acclimated with the team, that we'll see an improvement um, and a, a consistent improvement, not just an improvement from one game. That's my hope. And, and I have to say, I think that, you know, the, the way changing the wording, he's definitely going to be a higher usage guy than Zaire. Yeah. He's going to handle yeah. the ball more than Zaire was handling it. And so – in that aspect of it, would I rather have the ball in Jaws' hands or Dylan's hands? You all know I don't have to answer that question. You know the answer to that question. So it, in, on that side of it, I can definitely see it. But the, the taking shots away, I, I just – I don't agree with that at all. But I do think, you know, the, the overall usage and the amount of time that he's going to have the ball in his hands as opposed to what Zaire would have could definitely make, it, make it an, an impact on the game. Um, so I, I want to, you know, I said I want to talk about the free throw shooting 17 for 23 tonight for 74 percent. And this is something we've kind of had this conversation before, 
but I, I done a little digging today. I was sitting here, I was watching the tournament and my daughter had passed out and I don't, I don't know why, I guess free throws are just in my head. They just stick. So I, I was I, like, I man, this man only these free throws. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, since the all-star break, the Grizzlies are 29th in the league. They're shooting 71.4% from the free throw line. We talk about Steven Adams. We talk about his impact on that. How much of an impact does he have? Steven Adams, since the break, has gone 13 for 26 for 50% from the free throw line. That's obviously going to drag the free throw percentage down. If you remove Steven Adams' attempts from the team, it only raises them up to 73.9%. Yeah, it's definitely not just him. That's definitely not the case. So – yeah, like you get an improvement, like that's 3% almost, but you move from 29th to 27th. This is just a bad free throw shooting team in general. It's not just Adams. And that's, I, I want to see, I, I think that's an offseason thing. I think at this point in the season that we're not going to see the improvement that we hope to see from the line. I hope that, you know, in the off season, that's something that they take seriously and they go in and they put some work in and we see them improve from there. I wonder what I'd like to look this up. I, I don't have the, do you know what that number was last year? That, that'd be an interesting number to see. I know you talking with, with Steven Adams and the difference between say V because say V was a good free throw shooter. But the thing about it is that this is a bad free throw shooting team because a lot of it is your guards. And that's something that you don't see job around is, inconsistent. Desmond Bain has been extremely inconsistent. Uh, I mean, not Desmond Bain, but De'Anthony Melton has been extremely inconsistent from line. No, not Bain. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, Kyle, Kyle Anderson has been has been bad. And those are guys, those are the guys that you usually don't worry about. Your bigs are usually on most teams the ones that bring your free throw shooting down. So I'd be interested to see what that number was last year, just kind of the, the Stephen Adams versus JV comparison. But 77% yeah, I, I, is what they, so they were a little bit better. Say, yeah, 77.1%. With, with JV and JV, I think is like a mid seventies guy from the free yeah. throw line. So like he, that's something he's going to be the amount of free throws he gets and the percentage he shoots it at, he's going to be a positive, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's still, it's still a drop. You I, know, I think like, the- yeah, that's still a pretty, because you say Steven Adams only affects it 2%. So that's still a drop from last year. So that means guys have regressed definitely from, from what their numbers were last year. Cause I mean, you have basically the same roster. I know Devin, um, uh, Desmond, I keep saying Desmond Bang. Dylan has been out for for a while, and he's one of your better free throw shooters. So I think with him adding it, that would probably raise that number a little bit. But man, your your guard's got to be better, man. You can't have your, your point guard as much as he gets to the line. He's got he's got to get that number up to to, to at least eighty percent. I mean, that's just just got has to happen, man. Because he's, he's going to lose games because he's going to be at the free throw line late in games, man. He has to knock those free throws down. And if you're not, man, you're going to end up losing games because of that. Superstar player, man. You get when you get to the line, you got to knock them down. Yeah, I would say to my eye, in terms of just the biggest drop off, I think I've seen in free throw shooting. Josh streaky, but I think Josh's been streaky for some yeah. time. Yeah, he's but, always been kind of streaky. Yeah, but but Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Milton, I think those are those, yeah. those would be the two that DeAnthony Milton used to be a good free throw. Yeah, shooter. I don't know just what's going on with him, man. Yeah, and and he just can't seem to get that right. And Kyle Anderson, you know, with the hitch in his shoulder, I just don't know. How I mean, I'm, I'm surprised he was three or five, I mean, three or four today. Um, so so that, that was actually a bit of a surprise to me, uh, which just goes to show you when he makes most of his free throws, it it, it surprised to me. So he generally does not. Um, I think that's I think that's a big part of the regression, to just to my eye. Yeah, this got off, off, off subject. We 
you talk about that hitch in, in his shoulder, and, and we saw his shoot numbers and how good he was last year. And me and uh, they were both in the, the, the preseason uh, media availability, and and it kind of stood out to me at that time. And I mentioned that he just randomly in his media availability mentioned the shoulder and said, "Well, this is probably something I'm going to be dealing with all year." And he didn't say anything like that last year. So I said then I was like, "I wonder is this something that's flared back up?" Because he hadn't even mentioned the shoulder in about a year. Nobody asked him about it or anything. He just randomly before his media availability ended said, "Oh, well, this shoulder thing. This is probably just a." pain tolerance thing. I'm going to be dealing with this all year. It's never going to be right. And I, that stood out with me. And I think we've seen throughout the year that it's definitely been a problem. I think it had cleared up last year and you saw his three-point numbers, career highs across the board in shooting. And he's definitely regressed in all those numbers this year. Yep. So your eyes are not deceiving you. I was I was digging for stats. Sorry if you heard the pin clicking in the microphone. Uh, Kyle Anderson last season was 78% from the free throw line. This season, he's 60%. De'Anthony Melton last season shot 80% from the free throw line. He's 72%. Yep. Jaron Jackson, 84% last year. This season, 80%. 80% is still good, but it's a 4% drop. Yeah. He got an 8% drop from Melton and an 18% drop from Kyle Anderson. Yeah, I, They missed. The Grizzlies completely whiffed. I will say that – you can maybe argue the Justice Winslow thing, but I would say that this is probably the biggest miss that this front office has had in the sell high window on Kyle Anderson. Yeah, they, they missed that one for yeah. sure. Could have, should, should have traded him in the offseason. Should have got some assets for him. There's no doubt in my mind after the season that he had last year and, and what he proved last season that he can do it. And and I don't get me wrong. I love Kyle Anderson. He definitely can impact. He makes winning plays on both ends of the floor. But you got a career best out of him last year, and I don't know that you'll see him back at that level, especially with this shoulder thing. Yeah, with him knocking down shots the way in threes, the way he was shooting last year, to add in everything else that he brings, the tangibles, rebound, the deep, the rebounding, the defense that he plays, just makes smart, smart plays. There was a contending team that, definitely would have would have given you something for him in the deadline. There was even some thought that you might be able to get a late first from for him at, at that time. I don't know if that was the, the case or not or that was real, but there were a lot of people that thought that and, and they missed that man. And I'm a big, big time Kyle Anderson fan, like bigger than most. Like when people were talking about moving them or should they bring him back, I was like, man, they should definitely bring him back. They should extend him. But definitely I think they had an opportunity last offseason. And I think this front office has done a lot, a lot of good. Like they haven't missed much, but I think that's one of the things that you kind of look back on and say, man, they probably probably should have made that move at the deadline last year. Yeah. yeah. You know, he made not 94 threes last year and he's made 204 in his career. So almost 50% yeah. of his total <laughs> three crazy. points made came in one season, which was last year. His, his points per game were a career high. His assists were a career high. His rebounds were a career high. And that is something – I know that they value Kyle Anderson. Don't blame them for valuing Kyle Anderson. We see what he's able to do, but if they don't re-sign him, and it's a possibility that could happen that they do re-sign him, if they don't, that's just a, it's a miss. That I, I that is far and away the biggest miss that they they've had so far. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And and just one last point I I, I want to make in terms of just 
the overall big picture for this team before before we wrap up here. Um, I actually I just noticed it, it caught me off guard. I just noticed that we actually shot uh, thirty six point four percent from three today, which I didn't expect. We were eight of twenty two, uh, so this is is one of those losses where we actually shot over thirty five percent, and um, we can now put three in that in that L column, which I think makes this win probably even more dis- just discouraging overall, and, and hopefully something they can bounce back from um, moving forward because um, it does address some some other issues that they need to work on going as we go down here, here as we go down the stretch man i i've i don't really have anything else on this game i don't think i ever gave the final score the final score of the game 120 105 atlanta beats the grizzlies they fall to 48 and 23 the grizzlies are still in second place in the west by a half game over the golden state warriors steph curry going down is huge news for the grizzlies but they have to execute. You have to go out. You're favored in this game. You've got to win games like this. Their next game is a rematch against the Rockets in Houston on Sunday. Must win. Got to win it. You gotta cannot. You, we don't know what where Ja Morant is going to be. We don't know if he's going to be out, if he's going to play. Regardless of he, yeah. if he is there or not, still, still gotta this win. team gotta win. Gotta win. Gotta win without well. Ja Morant than that team is in a landslide. You have to win that game. And it's crazy. You're saying this is a must-win game, but it is. You you do not. You, you would much rather play one of those play-in teams than face the Denver Nuggets. That that's just there. There's no two ways about it. You know, Minnesota's playing insanely well right now, and there's a good chance that Minnesota moves up into that sixth seed, and and you end up playing the Nuggets anyway. But that the second round home court advantage is going to matter if the Grizzlies make it that far. This half court offense, I, I don't know. I, it's, I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about that. I, you know, I've mentioned it before. I won't beat on it again tonight. But Isaac, do you have anything else you want to uh, to talk about before we we wrap it up, man? Yeah, real quick, I want to go back to, to Candace talking about the three point shooting. Grizzlies though, eight of twenty two for thirty six point four percent. The problem is the Hawks went thirteen of twenty eight for forty six point four percent. And so that's a five three advantage. So that's fifteen points, and you lose the game by fifteen points. So that's kind of you can kind of look at that like that's kind of in a nutshell, man. You yeah, lose really the three point line by 15 points and you go down by 15 points. So, yeah. Yeah. And that I, makes sense. That's a good point. Yeah. It, it's just brutal. Just a brutal loss tonight. That, that's, yeah. I mean, there's nothing no, else to say. No yeah. excuses. There's nothing. Like, I no, need them to win convincingly. I don't yeah. just need them to win. I need them to win and, and put together, you know, a, a real complete. Full 48 minutes. We we need to see that from this team so they can get some momentum as they um, go down here in this home stretch and they'll face some tough teams. The time yeah, put together yeah. is now. Um, it's, there's you no got, more time to play around. You got Brooklyn on Wednesday and yep. then um, Milwaukee on Saturday next week. And then the Warriors. You have, uh, the Warriors at home on Monday the following week. If they mess around and play like they did tonight against the Hawks, they're they're liable to get blown out by forty against those teams. They you, you oh one hundred percent. You cannot go into those games lightly. Kyrie is going to be able to play for the Nets whenever they come to Memphis because Memphis doesn't have the same restrictions that they have in New York City. So that that's going to be a fully healthy Nets team coming in against you know you just there's too many tough games coming up for them to be in this kind of funk. Hopefully they can go to Houston. 
figure out what was going on. The NBA TV guys were poking fun, and they're like, oh, they got a wing hangover. You know, they, they were out eating wings, and <laughs> they're just waiting on their food to digest, and so that's why yeah. they're not playing well. Um, you know, it, it's – Two days off in Atlanta, man. You know what they – that's what they yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. And then what, what the – what do you call it? The, the Lou Will special? Yeah, a little wheel special, man. Yeah, <laughs> went down there. Let let the lemon pepper get the best of them. Yeah. Dang it! <laughs> Dang it! All right. Well, we will wrap it up. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, go and find the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I am at David W two one one one. Candace, let them know where they can find you, and then Isaac will get us out of here. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Seahawks nine zero one. That's C as in Cat Hawks nine zero one. Take it away, Isaac. Yeah, man, you really, really hope Ja is, is able to go, man. And I'm, I'm with, I'm with you guys. I hope they get a convincing victory on, on Sunday afternoon against the against the Rockets because they got ESPN coming here, full assets all day. All their shows are going to be here, uh, capped off by the Grizzlies Nets game on ESPN on on Wednesday night. So you need need some momentum going into that game, and you hope Ja is able to play, man. That would be tough, man, if he ends up missing that game and he's not able to play when you have all that going on. So. Outside of that, man, they just need a big victory on, on Sunday and then go into a, a tough three-game stretch and see what happens. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Again, we'll be back next week with a post-game, and that's going to be a fun time on, on Wednesday, man. I'm sure Grizz Nation, that's crazy to see this where we are right now, man. Never thought I'd see anything like that where ESPN would have a Memphis Grizzlies day where there's like all assets, everything Memphis Grizzlies. So that's going to be fun to see. So make sure you guys check it out. And we'll be back uh, next week. So until then, we go.